Good evening from the bowels of the Horror Press estate, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Press Podcast, a podcast brought to you by HorrorPress.com. My name is James Michael, and I'm the curator of all things horror. As always, this show aims to bring you the latest horror news you may have missed or overlooked, a place to quickly cover the happenings of the horror world, whether that's studio announcements, movie releases, or box office numbers, as well as some late genre discussion. I'm joined again by the mistress of depravity herself, my favorite resident bad critic, Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Welcome to another episode of the Horror Press Podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm less depraved, I think, this time than I was the last time we spoke. We got it all out of you last time. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I covered the Oscar race this year, and I think it just sucked all the depravity out of me. I'm just a wet blanket now. The, the, the results from the Oscars were actually kind of cool, though. We got everything everywhere all at once to basically make a killing. Yeah, I think in my head canon, like, every win was somehow, I could somehow make it a horror win. Like, uh, Brendan Fraser actually won for The Mummy, Jamie Lee Curtis won for just being a scream queen. But I think just, like, the general, like, the PR campaigns around the whole event just, like, really sucked the life out of me. <laughs> I just, I don't think I'm going to cover that again <laughs> for a couple mm. years. I'm going to have to recoup for a while. I don't know how you do it because there's so many things to cover. Like, it, I know we tried to talk about it a little bit, uh, Brooker and I, and it's just so, so much stuff. It's exhausting. And it's a lot of like, just like a lot of like very highly paid Hollywood PR agents just like hiding Hollywood's horrible history. So I feel, I think that's probably what exhausts me more than People anything. People don't realize like how much politicking is involved. Oh with my gosh. So much. This was a wild year because, because, everything everywhere ended up sweeping so much like it could have at the beginning of the race it could have gone a different way but like it's very 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 political and and i find that uh exhausting so but now i'm back i'm i'm getting my 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 toes back into horror so i'm glad to be here and talk about some stuff so i haven't watched it yet but i think you have um the season premiere of yellow jackets hell yeah so without any spoilers or like what are your thoughts? Was it good? Oh, I i mean, I was a huge fan of the first season, and I rewatched the first season before the the second season started. Um, and yeah, this the, op- the season opening, loved it. There's a Papa Roach moment. Who doesn't love that? Um, and I think, like, I just really enjoy um, the show and how it addresses, like, um, women and teenage girls and the like sort of meanness. I love seeing mean women on screen and not in a way that's like very um, uh, like a caricature, but I love seeing just like real fleshed out women who have like very angry feelings that are justified and they kind of make terrible choices. Um, so I think it's great storytelling, great character writing. Um, and I'm just excited to see what this season brings. It's fucking dark. The first episode was real fucking dark, man. <laughs> so my favorite character is Misty Quigley. Love Misty. So glad to see Christina Ricci back on screen. Just love it. Does she do anything? Of course. She does some crazy I'm, shit. I'm so excited. I'm definitely going to watch it after I'm done editing this tonight. Um, oh, yeah. But um, Misty just made the show for me. Missy, but I mean, I love Melanie Linsky. Um, I love, and I love all the teenage actresses too. Like, they're so good. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this episode starts with um, they're basically stuck in the wilderness and it's the middle of winter. And surviving in the middle of winter is a whole other, whole other challenge. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think people give Linsky enough credit for being like this very not scary but deeply terrifying woman she, she's terrifying like she will fuck your shit up like, well i th- i think like um there's something about this show that is like really nails um uh what it feels like to uh, or what it's like to have a lot of rage that you are not allowed to express sort of generally and so like part of her character that i love is just like there's this 
vicious undercurrent of rage and she just like does not know how to process it or or address it in any way shape or form it's it's she's a great at acting it out it's great writing just like a joy to watch yeah yeah very excited for it uh yeah i actually just got i think the showtime subscription for it sick um yeah it was just like a an add-on i think it was either for paramount i think is it paramount i'm not sure there's so many of them i have it that's it's all also it's also different up here in canada so uh, yeah i can tell you is there anything else that you've been watching anything um special listen i am also re-watching severance because i feel like i just need to remind myself about what that show is but i also watched out the outwaters recently oh and I'm we so- talked about that. We talked about it, and so I'm like... So before, wait, okay. before we get into it, I feel like Skinamarink and Outwaters. Yes. They're like two teams. One is Screenbox, one is Shudder. Which one did you prefer? Okay, so let me preface this by saying I like both of these movies. I enjoy... I- I get a lot of joy from the fact that both of these movies were made by people who were like, I want to make something fucking weird, and they did that. And I find that commendable, and that truly, I don't know what the word is for, like, feeling joy for other people's success, but that's, like, what I feel. Um, I liked Skinnamarink, and I did not like The Outwaters. Really? I felt, I have, like, But, wait, 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 I know you had the opposite feeling, but I feel like if I had, had, if I had watched The Outwaters in theaters... One, I would have vomited. I would have absolutely vomited. Because there's no way that motion, the like the the found footage would not have made me nauseous. So like I had to watch it at home. I could pause it. I could take breaks, whatever. Um But yeah, I just I think I vibed more with the like obscurity of Skinamarink than the like um self-annihilation of of the outwaters. I yeah. think if if I had the opposite experience, like if I would have watched Skinner Marink at home where I could mm-hmm. take breaks, I probably would have enjoyed it better. But I'm yeah. also glad that I got to see the Outwaters in theaters. Yeah, because you had to see it with the director, right? Or yeah. Get, yeah, that's very cool too. Um, but I don't know. I just thought the Outwaters was a little bit more grounded to my liking versus Skinner Marink. I think I had the same commentaries for the Outwaters as you had for Skinner Marink, which is like, this should not have been this long. Like, this should have been, like... 50 minutes long. Yeah. Maybe an hour and 20 max minutes max. 80 minutes. Yeah. 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 But, but again, like, I appreciate... I, like, I how applaud fucking, both of them. It was so fucking weird. It was gory. I loved the special effects. Um, yeah. It was uh, It was a trip, so... Yeah. Either way, I think both directors did a great job. Like, I don't like Skinamarink that much, but I can see the work and the detail that went into making something so weird. And yeah. the same goes with the Outwaters. Like, the amount of time that these directors poured into this, like, they should be yeah. commended either way. Well, and the sound design for the Outwaters was fucking incredible. Absolutely an incredible soundscape. And, and, uh, and yeah, like, I just, like I said, like, I just feel, I literally feel so much joy at, at seeing directors just being like, I made some weird shit. And people are vibing with it online. And I think that's, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Because it, it makes me excited for, like, what they can do next, right? Because, like, you have, like, you, you put everything into this one thing and you kind of build yourself a little reputation so that, like, hopefully whatever you do next, um, you know, takes you even a step further. And maybe it opens up a few, a little more funding for you. Maybe people will be willing to um, take a, a bit of a risk on you as well. So just just makes me happy. Well, I know um, Robbie... His next movie is premiering very soon, I think, in San Francisco. Oh, cool. And it's called Tinsman Road. Oh, sick. Um, it looks like it's a totally different type of movie. So I'm very interested to see what he comes up with. Because that yeah, waters took forever to make as well. Well, I would imagine he's making it on his own dime and he's doing all of this stuff himself. Like, yeah, that that's not it's not easy to do, you know. Yeah, I I personally can't imagine. Like, I struggle with thirty second TikToks. So, yes, I struggle with two paragraph Instagram posts.
So our first news segment is the Boulay Brothers Halfway to Halloween special, which is coming to Shudder and AMC Plus April 25th. And that's a Tuesday. Yeah, I watched the trailer for either it was their previous season or their upcoming season. And like the the drag looks are fucking sick. They're incredible. And the cool thing about them is that they do this thing where each of the normal seasons have cold opens which are usually references to horror movies. Oh, fun. So we get like this mini movie. And then at the end of the episode, when the queens are exterminated, um, (laughs) they get a murder scene where they get to be killed. (laughs) So instead of like lip syncing for their life and being sent home, sashaying away, they get exterminated and murdered and (laughs) they're considered dead from then on out. (laughs) And it's a lot of fun. And the Boulay brothers have this very unique and cool personality that is, of course, perfectly suited for anything Halloween. And they're doing this Halloween special for Shudder. Fun. And we get to see, like, a bunch of, like, horror icons. And it's basically going to be, like, a little show. I think I saw Stu Mocker is going to be a part of it and Barbara Crampton. A lot of really cool faces. fun. That's so much fun, and I love that. Like to see drag in other venues, and it's especially so well suited for horror because horror and drag are like two sides of the same coin, you know. Um, I also see Felissa Rose and Kevin Smith are in there. Damn. Okay. It's a pretty stacked cast. All right. All right. Speaking of Kevin Smith, have you seen Tusk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think we're ever gonna see? I don't know, man. Because <laughs> I've been seeing that getting kicked around, and I'm wondering if we'll no, ever see it. No, I don't want to. I don't like sequels. If it's not planned, you know, there's been some great sequels out there, but like, just can it just exist? Can it just exist on its own? If we do get a sequel, do you think Justin Long will be in it as a walrus? I don't know. I think it would have to be in there somehow. Like, like Justin Long is that franchise. I don't really want to see it if it's not Justin. Justin Long's walrus situation. <laughs> I don't have to re. I don't have to like what. I don't want to restart this story of like, you know, there being like people walruses. You know, plus we need you to follow Johnny Depp again in his like terrible, terrible Quebecois accent. Like, no, absolutely not. I know Kevin Smith like fetishizes Canada, but like he got Quebec so wrong, and I will never forgive him for it. <laughs> he got the accent so wrong so on the topic of justin long do you think he'll come back for a drag me to hell sequel because i know that's also been thrown around oh that i would be way more interested in seeing how would they even do that like i don't know man i'd be down for it though 100 percent. drag me to hell sequel would be interesting because he he's the character well i guess spoiler alerts for drag me to hell but like he's the character that survives but like what made drag me to hell so interesting was that like the main character the quote-unquote final girl character is just like a horrible person like she's just a really terrible person and like you're kind of like rooting against her the whole time or maybe i was anyway i don't know if i was rooting against her but she she wasn't very likable for sure but it was on purpose right like the 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 point of it is like she's kind of this terrible person yeah yeah i was rooting for the older romani lady for a bit yeah. <laughs> i mean i would definitely be the old lady cursing people at the bank hell yeah <laughs> and like i think isn't there a scene where she kind of crashes her funeral and her family is yes. just like the fuck are you doing here she just makes it all about herself absolutely and that's why i kind of like i know it's like a bit of a complicated movie because they use the g word all the time so it's not like the best thing to watch it was not the most sensitive uh i mean but film back then they just couldn't do it they definitely couldn't do it now no for sure but i still think it's like an interesting watch And, and it's up there with like Candyman in terms of like movies about white women uh fucking shit up for no good reason So, have you heard anything about the Faces of Death remake? Have you ever seen Faces of Death? 
I have never watched the original Faces of Death, but when I saw that they were going to do a, a remake, reimagining, whatever, I was very, my initial reaction was like very like, why are they even touching this thing? Um, but then I looked into who had, who was sort of attached to this and I'm very much intrigued. I'm still not, uh, I don't know how to feel about it because I really don't know how to feel about the original. Like I, I understand the sort of like initial, the apparent initial motivation to make it, but I feel like if you're going to show like real death, but also mix it in with stuff that you've faked, I don't know how good that is. And I'm also like, not sure about how the consent works to like use footage of dead people. Um, so like, I'm just like kind of all over the place on this project. How do you feel about faces of death? So I also have never seen it, but I remember being a kid and hearing about this series yeah. and the aura that it had. And like, of course, I always kept an eye out for it whenever I went mm -hmm. to the video rental store. Never got the opportunity to see it, but also a part of me is like, no, does a movie, a lot of places. does a movie like that, even work in the current world? Like, I think a lot of that back then, the allure and the aura was, you know, is this real or like how mm -hmm. taboo is it truly? Like Blair Witch, there was a moment where a lot of people thought that was real because we yeah. didn't have the internet spoiling everything. But for, like, Faces of Death, it's just going to be, like, another torture porn movie. Well, that's where I'm, like, because Faces of Death is such, like, a legendary sort of, like, cult artifact, I would say. Um, yeah, it's definitely I can, up there with Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, and so I could see, like, how someone wants to sort of, like, make something meta about the mix of reality and, and, and uh, fabrication. I could see how that could potentially work. So, like, I don't want to, like, shit on a project that had, <clears throat> excuse me, that hasn't even started. But, like, the thing with Faces of Death was, like, you know, oh, I can see real dead bodies. Well, I mean, that's not a shocker anymore because we've all I mean, just grown up on, news. like, <laughs> the news. We all see we I mean, all we, saw we, ISIS we, videos. We live-streamed like, 9-11. Like, exactly. So it's, like, not the same people today don't have the same relationship to like the sort of the macabreness of, of death. Um, but I, you know, I, uh, I'm still curious. Cause like, I love both of those, you know, uh, Darcy Montgomery and Barbie, uh, Ferreira, Ferreira, no Ferreira. I love them both. So I'd be curious to see what they would do. Like, I don't think they would have actual like bodies. Well, that's kind of why I don't, I at I've least never like really today. I don't think they would do that. Well, and like I'm not interested in like I like horror because it's not real. <laughs> like I don't I'm not interested in in it being like it was a real autopsy photo or whatever. Like I don't I don't want to see the real thing. I have seen enough dead bodies. I don't need to see it in my fun movies. So yeah. Are you like me in that like I can watch a fucked up movie? Like put on martyrs, okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. But like TLC watching someone get surgery I'm like no that's too much for me I'm like I'm okay I'm actually okay with that stuff and I do love like body because <laughs> I think our bodies are fucking weird and cool and gross but it's like, I have to buy into it so like if I'm watching something I know that this is like real surgery footage and I'm like okay do I want this yes or no so like if it's going to be mixed in with the real and the fake that's where I feel very uncomfortable because again like I don't understand where the consent is and I don't um, and I don't understand, I don't think the, like, that level of manipulation is, is appropriate, um, yeah. for me. It's not something, it's not fun for me, you know? It yeah. definitely feels gross. Yeah, for sure. But we'll see. I mean, like, listen, I, there's like the phases of that, the existence of that, that series in and of itself is like an interesting story. And so I can see how there could be some, I some wonder. good stories to tell. Yeah. If it'll have its moment the same way that like Cannibal Holocaust did like two or three years ago, because that movie for the long time was also like this sacred fossil that Shudder just like picked up mm. and all of a sudden, you know, it was popular again just because of how heinous it was. But Faces oh. of Death kind of was like left behind. Not many people talked about it unless you were like 
from that era. Yeah, it's interesting, especially when you're talking about stuff that came out <clears throat> um, and then was, like, subject to, like, all the censorship laws around, like, when VHS became uh, became available. All of these, like, suddenly because people could, like, watch these movies in their own home, um, a lot of governments were like, oh, we need to censor them for the children. Similar, like, children for the children moral panic. Um but like not a, not a lot it's not, doesn't mean the movie was good or not but they became notorious because the government was like you can't watch it and as soon as like someone censors something it's just like the best promotion you could possibly have for your for your thing so yeah, yeah. And for our next bit of news, I feel like we've been talking about Scream for months now at this point, but in about three weeks, Scream has amassed $139.3 million at the box office. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they're beside themselves at how well it's doing, especially considering this is a franchise that really, like, we got Scream 5 a year ago. And before that, it's been, like, almost a decade. Well, it's also getting a lot of good reviews. Like, the fans seem to like it, whereas, like, with Scream 5, the reaction was very mixed. So that must feel good as well, that, like, people are are into it. I I enjoyed it. I uh, I went to see it on, an after, on a Friday afternoon, and I had a great time. Like, it was just so much fun. So... I've seen it twice now, and it was incredibly fun. My only complaint about the movie, I feel like a lot of the characters, you either get stabbed once and die, or you get stabbed hundreds of times. And, and don't die. And somehow survive. Oh, yeah. I mean... But I mean, that's always been the case. But <laughs> this one, it seems so apparent. Like, no one died. They should have killed. They should have killed more people. They they had a higher stab rate, I guess, but less people died. It, one know. of the twins should have. I love both I think of them, so. but I mean, Chad was stabbed by two ghost faces multiple times. Oh no, they they and Mindy was like filleted on the train, and by the end of the movie, was just running around like nothing, just making a comment about drug uh, painkillers. <laughs> so I listened to the I listened to the episode that you recorded with Brucker talking about it and I was like I have like a head I have a uh I guess you could say a fan theory uh that um Samantha is the one who actually killed her therapist and that the seventh movie is like gearing up to have her be like this killer Wow. Um, because I don't think the therapist like had nothing to do with the story. That is and he's all he's also like a very iconic Canadian actor. Like he's the kind of character actor who like you don't just bring in for one scene. So I feel like there's more to that. It does feel very random that the therapist died. Yeah. Because like, he said he says like, Oh, I have to report this, and she's like, No, don't do that. So I'm like, she had a reason to kill him, you know. Like what how does that really tie into the detectives' families? Like exactly, other than to I guess like pin it on her, and, but also Kirby's like, why would she steal her own file mm -hmm. to frame herself? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it is a very like random death. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed. I enjoy a good. There's multiple face stabbings in this one, so you know, good on them. So I mean. I, I don't think the series would ever go this direction, but I really think it would be excellent, excellent, excellent if we got Sam versus Sydney. See, I'm not, I'm down for that. I'd watch that. Everyone's like, oh, it would never do that. But think about like all the Halloween sequels and all the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. Like, doesn't that feel like a natural progression to these like crazy ass slasher franchises? Well, like if you're going to give me a story, like... There's a thing about the final girl that I find frustrating, which is that, like, there's this, like, element of, of virtuousness in surviving something so horrific. 
Um, and it's like, I want to see someone who like does not come out okay from that. Like, I want to see someone who's fucked up from it and does some fucked up things. You know, like just because you survive something doesn't mean you're a fucking saint. Yeah. You know, well, and so what is the point of showing us all this darkness? Like, exactly. Of course, like she's battling it, but for what? Like for her to just discard the mask at the end? Yeah, no. Like let's come on, like show me some dark shit. Let's go. And and I also the one thing I was disappointed with Scream was I wish that they I thought they were gonna like really lay into film criticism, and I was so ready for it. Like especially with that opening scene, I thought they were gonna really spend the whole movie like. You know how in five they lambasted like fandoms. Mm-hmm. I thought this one was gonna like really lay into critics, and I was like, "Yeah, give it to me. Tell me I'm a piece of shit. Come on." It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. didn't really go that well, way. That's okay. There's always seven, which they've already, I think, begun work on. Yeah, so I'm sure they're gonna crank that one out. We'll probably be watching it by April of next year, and be... I'm hoping it takes us to Hollywood. Well, listen. I know that you can kind of sort of make Montreal look like a fake New York, but I don't know if you can make Montreal look like fake Hollywood, but hopefully if they shoot it here again, I'll be much better about like stocking out the, <laughs> the like locations and like sending you guys pics of what's going on on the street. Exclusives it, for horror press. <laughs> it really was wild. Like the scene where they're telling each other about the rule, the rules are going over the rules of the, of the franchise. That was like on McGill campus, which is like a very iconic recognizable campus and like central park was park la fontaine which is like a, another very recognizable big city park so it was just funny to watch it where they're like running around new york city and i'm like <laughs> I've, i lived on that corner i got drunk on that corner like i, I puked in that trash can <laughs> like <laughs> did you miss sydney at all in this not really i thought it was okay like we didn't really need her i I want her, of course. I think she's great, but I I was okay with her being absent in six. Well, I think it's like, how much is her character really gonna... Where are you gonna take this character? You know? Yeah. Like, she's already done five of the movies, and, and like, what else... What does she have to bring to it, you know? I think Gail is the only one that really has a reason to come out of hiding, because she's a journalist, and she's looking for her next book deal. So yeah. it makes sense for her to come out and sure. Ghostface, but Sydney, why? And there's also just been so many other characters at this point. Like you have, like just bring back other, other characters. You have like such a huge franchise. Like you know, Kirby was all right. I wasn't that. I people were praising her return. I honestly, I didn't think her acting was very good. I really thought she was the Samantha Carpenter of Scream Five. Maybe that's why Samantha Carpenter didn't bother me so much. Because you had Kirby to fixate on. Kirby was there. I mean, but I was okay with seeing her. I just. It's fine. She she wasn't a standout, and I really thought it was very fan servicey. But I still, all that to say is like, I still had a great time watching this movie. Like, it (laughs) it was a lot of fun for a two plus hour movie. I barely True. even noticed that it I was... I did not... Yeah, and we had this conversation the last time. We were like, how are you going to do a two-hour runtime for a Scream movie? Yeah, like, it's going to be all like... filler. And there really wasn't. I barely noticed the time. Now, Skin and Brink? <laughs> I definitely noticed that run runtime. But for Scream, like, we're bitching about things. But in reality, I still thought it was a good time. And I enjoyed it, so... I don't regret. Although I told my sister, I was like, I'm going to go see Scream 6 today. She's like, there's six Scream movies. So <laughs> I get how like maybe it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I'm here for it. I'm here for the franchise. Are you prepared for Evil Dead Rise? Yes. I'm so fucking excited. Especially after you told me, you're like, oh, no, you have to watch the like remake or uh, reimagining. The re- isn't the remake so good? It's so fucking good. It's so gory. And like the Evil Dead series is like. It is about gore. The purpose of the series is to be gory. And so I love that this campaign for the Evil Dead Rises is like, yeah, we're going to do some fucked up shit this time. So I'm, I'm ready to like feel nauseous. Very, well, pretty early. I'm very excited. Mm. I think I'm seeing it April 6th. And when is the release date? I it's... think April 21st. Oh, yes, I've got another month to wait. Well, I'm excited. I'm curious because... Uh, I don't. I don't know how spoiler averse people are, but 
I, I try. I mean, like, I try to avoid watching trailers. So that's how. That's how much how irritated I am. Okay, then that that'll be that. Then have you watched the TV series at all? Uh no, I never. I watched. I think maybe the first two episodes, and I kind of just fell off of it. Oh, I love the TV series. It's, it's so good. Much fun. Yeah, Lucy Lawless is in it. I don't know if you got to see oh, her. Oh fuck! It. Yeah, she plays this badass demon. She's mm. so good. Hundred percent. I should give it another try then. Yeah, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, for sure. If if you can sit through Army of Darkness, <laughs> barely. <laughs> barely. But I'm very excited for Evil Dead Rise. I'm I'm hoping they like add to the whole Evil Dead canon and lore. Yeah, because it looks like there's there's a new Necronomicon. It looks like it. I I don't know. Is it like an origin story or is it like? I'm not sure because continuation of the first. It's clearly at a different cabin. Yeah, it's clearly a different book. So we have an Evil Dead. 101 article coming out that is good very very good that lewis does a very like super researched job at the continuity about the book about deadites because are the deadites zombies are they just like Mm. spirits that possess people but they infect people via like physical damage like if they bite you you get kind of like converted you get possessed Yeah, so, that's why he cuts off his hand in the yeah. first thing. So yeah. there's like a lot of questions that I think people have. Also, Jason is not a deadite. I don't care what anyone says. Mm-hmm. I will fight you. Interesting. Well, I'm here for it. I'm here for something like extremely gory. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. She's greater. I'm going to hate it. I know I'm going to hate it. Something but as I, it, simple I think as that is just terrifying. It's good. I mean, listen, it's good marketing. They know they know who they're marketing this movie to. So the last time a cheese grater made me cringe. I recently rewatched The Sopranos, start to finish. And oh. <laughs> I've never watched The Sopranos. It was always on the TV in the background, but I think I was too young. So Oh yeah. It's so good though. There's a guy apparently that was having a woman put a cheese grater to his dick. <laughs> And and that line is just that, is that stuck, um, with stuck with me. Is that a Joe, uh, whatever his character? Pesci. No, 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 no. no. Sorry. Um, the so, guy, uh, the guy who's sleeping with his sister. The guy who ends up sleeping with his sister. I think so. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. I remember hearing that as a child, and then like I recently rewatched it, and that that line still has like haunted me. And whenever I think of Cheese Grater, I think of The Sopranos. And now it's going to be Evil Dead Rise. Good. Well, you know, listen, if it's consensual, then that's what are you going to do? I, I personally consensual think cheese grating. the Cheese Grater dig is worse than anything Evil Dead will show me. So we'll see. Oh, there you go. Ouch. So this show prides itself on horror news. And part of what I've really been wanting to start covering is like the horror news that takes place on Twitter. Mm. And this is probably the first real topic that originated from there. And that has to do with an article titled The Year Horror Went Highbrow by Maxine Wally. Which, if you're on Twitter, there's no way you miss this. Because it had everyone from Tara from Fangoria to Barbara Crampton basically chiming in, taking turns, roasting this this poor reporter about how uneducated she basically is on the topic of horror. And um, if you haven't had a chance to read it, do go give them a click, for real. Um, she wrote it for W Magazine. And... Um, that's basically what I've been looking forward to talking about all week with you, Ellie. When you messaged me like this is going to be the main event, I was like, oh, fuck yes. Because I have been ranting to anyone who will listen about like, what the fuck was the purpose of this article? Now, granted, I'm coming off of a week where um, I had a lot of like really weird neoliberal takes in different 
mainstream news outlets that really were pissing me off. So I feel like this kind of just like slid right into my vibe. Um, but because it's about specifically about horror, I feel like every couple of years you'll get someone will write this, write th- a version of this article, which is basically like, horror is real weird. Why do people like it? I don't know. Anyways, blah, 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 moral decay of society. And it's just insane to me that we still get takes like this when basically horror has been consistently turning profits for anyone who will invest in it since Since movies have been a thing since before movies have been a thing like you know horror books have always been very very popular like hell there was even like you know, people used to write murder ballads before there was even, like, a printing press and, like, travel around towns and sing about, like, different horrible murders that had happened. Like, this is content that people have always been interested in. It's part of the human experience. If it's acceptable to feel happy with your art, then it's also acceptable to be afraid of your art or to be grossed out by your art. And so I just, like, I'm I'm just so befuddled as to why, like, something like this keeps getting written. And before anyone complains, like, Maxine is totally fine. We are clearly punching up. Mm. I mean, W Magazine is getting their clicks. I mean, I'm... They I'm, did get some rage clicks yeah, off of this. Yeah, like, they're, they're totally fine. And it's not like there's some tiny little indie publication. Like, it's W Magazine. And I'm just surprised that the amount of, of times we get to see people discovering horror and acting like, you know, all of a sudden this is new. When it's really not. And then to be kind of backhanded about the people that make up the horror community. Like, I know Barbara Crampton came out pretty much swinging. And yeah. um, she's the sweetest person ever. And she's been, <laughs> you know, vital to so many important horror movies over the years. Like, yeah. to, to basically call her, like, C-grade or D-grade or whatever she calls her is so offensive. Yeah. I mean, like, should we talk about this opening sentence? Like, who writes this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let me... Horror films had a tough few decades. From the <laughs> 1980s until recently, movies featuring a murderous doll, a ghostly presence, or a creepy neighbor with a taste for revenge had been mostly relegated to the realm of sealess actors, ham-fisted dialogue, and predictable plots. Like, what are you fishing Girl, for with that what sentence? what are you... Listen, horror films had a had a tough few decades. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Look, literally, look up the box. This is what I mean when stuff like this will like make me because, like, on one hand, I want to be empathetic to people who are not really into horror because, yes, I know I'm a freak. Okay, I know that I like seeing violent movies, and I know that that's weird. And probably, if you don't like that, you're the normal one. And congratulations. Well, based off of the box office numbers, though. <laughs> It is kind of normal. Well, that's what I mean, where it's like, if you're going to write this article, you just couldn't, you couldn't Google some box office results from the last couple decades? Why, what is the tough few decades that you're referencing? I don't, I don't understand that. That's factually untrue. So now I'm annoyed. So I'm, I'm starting to opening this article and I'm immediately annoyed. Like, in, in her defense, maybe, maybe she's referring to, like, the Oscars. Because definitely in the Oscars, horror is, like, the underdog. But, yeah, but the Oscars, m- movies at the Oscars don't make money either. So, like, what is she talking about? True. Like, like horror movies don't get made to win awards. And if you, all you think, and, like, if, if you're writing this article from the position that, like, m- movies exist to win awards, I don't understand that logic. And I feel like that's a logic I don't want to engage with, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe she's just the type that relates to movies like, um, I don't know, normal, mundane <laughs> movies. Meanwhile, we're the ones that like relate with martyrs. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's so much. In, but see, this is what I mean, where it's like, there's so much in between between like very normal, like dramas, very straightforward dramas and a movie like martyrs. There's so much in between there, right? Like. You don't have to want to watch, like, the most extreme horror movies to enjoy um, a spooky ghost story or a, like, campy slasher movie or, like, maybe some kind of, like, maybe more more psychological thriller, you know? Like, there's so much to be had. 
And so to just group it into around like, and also like C-list actors, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. One of those C-list actors just won a fucking Oscar. So Jesus Christ, you know, I, I kind of feel a little bad for her because <laughs> really the editor that read it should have been like, hold your horses, ma'am. I think they wrote this to get clicks. I think they knew who were going to like, they, they knew it was going to piss some people Mission off. Mission accomplished. And, and Maxine walked are. away with like a one year subscription to Fangoria. So. Well, maybe. Clearly she's got to read a little. So, like, can we talk about, um, so the people that she interviewed for this article seem to be very, very knowledgeable, and I'm wondering why she picked the quotes that she did from them, because it felt like these people would have a lot more interesting stuff to say. And I think she also counters her own thesis in a few paragraphs in where she starts talking about Rosemary's Baby and The Shining and The Exorcist, and, like, Something to note about The Shining is that, like, people now consider it a classic and a masterpiece, but critics hated it when it came out. They, it was universally panned. People were, were saying Kubrick's lost it. Like, you know, it was like how, you know, Kubrick is, you know, lowering himself by making this horror movie. This kind of attitude, this kind of, like, snob of, like, horror is low art and, like, real artists don't engage in horror is something that's been also prevalent. As long as horror has been profitable, people have been shitting on horror. I don't know. I don't know what she was thinking, but they got what they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Which is clearly rage clicks. I just also find there's something else that's really insidious about this article where, like, in her first paragraph, she compares... She says, oh, The Menu, a gory satire about the exploitive side of haute cuisine made $9 million, and instead Women Talking, which centers on sexual assault in a Mennonite community, made $40,000 in its opening weekend. And I feel like, why are you... Com- I, I, It's insidious to compare those two movies. I mean, how long was The Menu even out in theaters? I don't remember. Couple, I, it was a couple weeks. Was yeah. it? Because I remember yeah. it being like a blip and it being a big deal once it was on HBO. It was in, it was, I think it was in for maybe three weeks because I saw it at the end, towards the end of its run. Because I think it was like late August, early September when it, when it hit theaters. And I remember it being very, not, not that marketed, number one. I mean, I'm, I can't, I'm a, I'm biased because like, I feel like now I just get every movie ad is targeted at me constantly when I'm online. I agree. Like, I don't know, like if I I live in reality because- all I do is talk to people about horror now. So, like, to me, if, if it goes under my radar, I feel like it really goes under a lot of other people's radar. And mm. the menu, to me, just... It was there. The other one that kind of flew under my radar was The Invitation. Like, mm. That one, they really movies, didn't market that one. Yeah, they, both of them were yeah. kind of like oopses. Yeah, but I, I think, like, the way that she compares these two things, and then later on she references the movie She Said, which is about the two journalists who were investigating Harvey Weinstein for the New York Times. Um, oh, sorry, someone else references uh, She Said. But I feel like reading these two movies to compare specifically with horror, I find brings an insidious implication that, like, People would rather see uh, women die in horror movies than um, women setting up to or fight back against the system, which is what Women Talking and She Said are kind of two movies that do that. And that's another fundamental misunderstanding of what the horror genre can bring. And like, yes, I know it's a problematic, there's plenty to write about how problematic horror movies can be. And it has its share, fair share of like terrible people who like create stuff within the genre. But it's also a movie that it's also a genre that I've gravitated to in the past because it's a movie where I can see women being angry, being strong, being scared, being, um, complicated um and surviving in a scary situation like dealing with rough things but even if they don't survive right that's the kind of thing where it's like i don't want to be told all the time that i have to survive and i have to be a certain way to survive 
right? I want to see the complexity of 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 what's out there because the truth is, is that like well, women have all the same feelings that anybody does and I want to see someone struggling with it whether or not they succeed or not at the end is up to the story and they need to justify that ending however they go but I want to see someone grappling with real emotions you know yeah. and so I think like I don't know man it's frustrating to read things like this because, again, I, I would never, like, want to force anybody to watch horror movies because it's like, well, you know, you have to be ready for some shit. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I watch these movies because I feel like I see some of the most complicated, fascinating performances from female actors that I do in any other genre. Like, half the time, movies that are nominated for the Oscars are all about men. Women are all supporting roles, you know. How many times have we seen have we seen this, like, beloved movie about, like, you know, a man struggling to invent something or going to space or, like, believing in his, in his, his creation and struggling to get it done and, like, the only women in the movie are, like, his wife who worries about him, you know. Like, I don't want to fucking watch that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Show me something fucking insane. Show me people with emotions and, and grappling with them in complicated ways. So that's my rant. To me, a lot of the drama and a lot of the writing is more believable in these ridiculous movies. Because clearly, like, of course, the majority of horror movies are based in fantasy. But to me, yeah. the reality of the struggles and the things that they deal with and how they deal with them are much more relatable than like a legally blonde. And that's not too shit on legally blonde because I mean, it, it has its place, but to me, that's not reality. <laughs> well, I mean like <laughs> bubble gum and pop music and happiness to me. I mean, I could argue that like something like legally blonde is on the same spectrum as horror where it's presenting this alternate reality, right? You have this universe that you're establishing in this movie where um, you have like a, its own rhythm, its own vibe. And like, you have to buy into that in order to go through this, this tale, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think horror specifically, it's a, f it's a framework to look at fear through art. Right. And to like, um, I had written down something where it was like, I think like the idea of fear is is, an, is another thing that she could have written about in a more interesting way, I think, because, you know, the way that our institutions work is that we're constantly being told to be afraid of our neighbor, our strange uh, strangers, the quote unquote unknown, um, anything that's different or whatever. We There's a lot of institutions that insist that we be afraid of our fellow community members and so like the idea of living in fear is something that like everyone is grappling with right now and i like that horror will take very often and has uh, has the opportunity to take that framework and turn it around and point at the institutions that are um forcing that dynamic on everyday people so horror is a framework to look at the people that are in power and criticize what's in power as opposed to just like telling a story about like an individual who succeeds in the system you know like i don't you know i want to see someone where it's like fighting back against an actual powerful force whether that's like a killer or a cult or whatever you know yeah i don't know if that made sense no it, it definitely does also like <laughs> she says wait i just saw this right ushering in this new era of horror with smart films like midsummer and the purge what? <laughs> How do you put those two movies together in a sentence? I mean, can we both agree that The Purge is not like, quote unquote, elevated horror? Like, I enjoy The Purge. I think it's a good time. I fucking love The Purge. But I would not put it in the same category as Midsummer. But it's also like, so this is a great point, because like, what does elevated horror even mean? To me, it's a bullshit term because it's just talking about someone who maybe has access to more money who can make an artier version of what something like, um, you know, like the Outwaters 
that we were talking about earlier, something like the Outwaters has access to, right? Yeah. So it's like to me, it's like that's a question of like funding and uh, and and uh, and connections versus like the actual output. And again, like this 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 whole thing is like very classist, right? Like, oh, what is the what are these this horror doing? This what is it? these horror fanatics doing it's like well it's also one of the genres that has like made some of the most mainstream hollywood directors careers because they had access to making a story that was low budget and popular you know um so many people got their careers started by working in horror so yeah it's literally the foundation of the industry that you're saying so to say like one side of it is elevated and the other side isn't it's just like that's that's ahistorical and factually incorrect i mean people have been telling scary stories since we've been huddling around campfires yeah it's just a part of us going back to the shining like part of the um part of the buzz around kubrick making the movie was like people asking him like why would you why would you why would you like try to adapt someone like Stephen King? And like even his own writers were like him and his and his writing partner were both like very snobby towards the original book as like well most of it's not very good but I guess like this was better <laughs> than the other like horror stories out there. Like they really didn't like he had no, he had very terrible uh, he was not a fan of Stephen King at all. Like so you know this shit's been there forever and. uh it's kind of it's just tiring it's just tiring well at least the positive out of this whole article is that it did get people talking it did get people like engaging and you know it wasn't all angry there was some decent civil discourse and you know more horror fans that didn't know there were horror fans is always a good thing (laughs) true they need to come out of the closet and just be like hey i like horror too don't be, you don't need to be ashamed about liking horror movies, guys. I, I think everybody does. I don't, maybe I'm just like locked up in this little tiny like world, but I feel like, how do you not like it? How? Like, there's always like different degrees of horror, but you know, where, where do you fall on the horror spectrum? Not everyone is going to be in the whole like extreme, extreme hostile side. Yeah. But you know, how many of us grew up with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Everyone in my well, class used to watch that, whether they like scary movies or not. I just think there's two kinds of people. There's people who, um, or there's two kinds of anxious people. And there's people like me who deal with their anxiety by just leaning into, I'm going to watch the worst thing as a way that I can control my anxiety because it's like, well, I can just turn this off. So I'm in charge of the the fear right now, you know? Yeah. And then there's other people who are like, I'll just go to therapy. <laughs> I mean, I, I found it very interesting because I've, I've never really... Out of all the horror fans that I talk to, most of them are like, oh, it's it's comforting or it's a way to soothe yeah. myself. Absolutely. I never really realized that some people thought that that was like maladapted. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was like normal. I mean, full disclosure, I also go to therapy. So like there's no shame in doing both. But like, um, yeah, I think just like everyone, you know, copes with their shit in ways that make sense. And, you know, if, like, you know, if Disney adults are acceptable, then so are horror fans. That's let's say. I'm a Disney adult. (laughs) See, there you go. That's what I mean. Like, the fantasy and the horror are two sides of the same coin. Because both is just another reality. But Disney does do very terrible things. I can't defend them. Yeah, they're real-life horrors. I can't defend them for most of the shit they do, but I can't help it. The nostalgia is too strong in this millennial. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of basically wraps up most of our discussion. It's been a pretty news light, like two weeks. There's been so much interesting stuff that came out of like South by Southwest that I've like been bookmarking, but like none of it's out yet. And I fuck need this shit to come to Canada, please. Yeah. Don't I don't leave think me hanging I, for hard press. Like I try to map out the months 
and mm-hmm. April, of course, we have Evil Dead, but May is basically an empty horror month. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, I don't think there's any like mainstream theatrical horror releases in May. Well, when is Ari Aster's movie supposed to be coming out? Bo is, is not that... afraid. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's. I don't even know that... if that's even horror. <laughs> it's gonna be weird, man. Um, I just remember, like, over COVID, like, all these, like, um, shots of, like, uh, what's his face, Joaquin Phoenix in, like, old man get up, like, wandering around Montreal. <laughs> I don't know much. Came out, so it's like, I don't know what this movie is. I haven't seen a trailer for it. And... I think it's going to be very psychological. But I, I mean, more or less, I'm a fan of Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Hereditary a lot. Um, yeah, but I know he has some crazy ass movies in his catalog. Yeah, and I don't know much about Bo, so I know they changed the name from something else. Yeah, it was disappointment. Alley and people were something. like really mad that they changed that name. Like they were very like connected and tied to that name. I don't know, man. I'm not that much of a fan of Joaquin Phoenix. So, I mean, he's like okay, whatever. He he always gives a good performance. I mean, so like they he kind of. He he scares me a little bit, but he usually goes all goes all in for the performance, for better or for worse. So I don't know. After the whole Joker thing, like I'm just grossed out by him. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I mean, if someone's uh, like the Joker's my favorite movie, I'm like red flag. The Joker is the movie that inspired me to start my fucking page because I was so mad that people thought that that was a good movie. I mean, like I was like, I have to talk. I need a I need a space to like break this down. It it it's fine. But uh, I I don't if if you like resonate with it, I, I have to ask why. I have questions. Yeah, I have questions. And now we're getting a sequel that's a musical with Lady Gaga. I'm gonna watch it. I don't know. Like I'm <laughs> such a fucking sub masochist. I guess I'm a sucker for this shit. Like I'll watch it for sure. I'll probably hate it. But how are we going from part one to part two? I don't know. Are they connected? I think they are. Right. I don't know, man. I don't think Todd Phillips even understood the story that he made. He was talking about, in interviews, he talked about that movie in a way where I'm like, did you watch your own movie? My sort of headcanon for that is that they, like, he, like, didn't really know how to control Joaquin Phoenix, who went full method on his ass, and they just kind of, like, had had to edit. Because I think they spent, like, almost a year editing the movie. So I think, like, they they, he just, like, did not have good control of his actor, who would just kind of deliver different performances and rewrite stuff. They've also talked about it, how like they were rewriting stuff the day of the shoot. So I feel like it was a very chaotic shoot and they kind of just like cobbled together a story that made sense in the editing room. I mean, but in the greater scheme of DC continuity though, I don't think DC knows what the fuck they're doing because they, they have don't. like 35 different jokers. They've got They they don't know what they're doing. Henry Cavill that is no longer Superman but still putting on the Superman cape for, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's Black Adam, but apparently they had a big mess with the studios with Zachary Levy. But... Oh, they've had so many scandals. I mean, the smartest thing that D- Marvel ever did was build its own studio so they could control their own character arcs. Because, like, DC for the longest time was Warner. But yeah, WB is, like, it's having DC be part of WB just means that you have all these non... All these outside actors, like, pressuring you to make all kinds of other interesting decisions. And so you get all these storylines that are a mess. Um, they're having issues with different actors being extremely problematic um so yeah all right well that basically wraps things up for the episode yeah we went on that was a good tangent um i feel like it's going to be, maybe it'll be a lighter year for horror this year, but there's lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah, of course. And I know like later on in the year, there's, there's a couple things to look forward to. Yeah. Um, I think there's Thanksgiving by Eli Roth, which mm-hmm. I honestly, I have no idea what that's about. I know it has something know, to do Eli. with like a trailer that's just being turned into a movie. I'm not the biggest Eli Roth fan to begin with. No. So We'll see. I mean, like, whatever. The dude 
He's like a Tarantino where he just like references things without understanding any of the context. Well, he's like a poor man's Tarantino. Exactly. I don't know. Like for whatever reason, like Eli Roth and Rob Zombie are like in the same. Rob Zombie understands the context of what he's making though. <laughs> he's just choosing to make like trash, but like it's on purpose. I will never forget Eli Roth's um, Green Inferno. Like to me, it was so oh, try hard. He really thought he ate, and he did not. Mm-hmm. Like he tried. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to just stick that to was, being in movies, th- and that's it. That was him trying, yeah, wasn't it? He really. Yeah. He thought he ate, and he didn't. It was not good. Whatever. I'm just really excited about this movie. Talk to me that came out of Sundance that A24 picked up. Um, it's supposed to be like really, really good, um, but I haven't seen a release date yet for it so i'm just speaking uh, of a24 i heard rumors or i don't know if it's still a rumor but their fucking shark movie like i need an a24 shark movie give it to me yeah well i mean going back to the oscars like they're the real winners of the oscars this past year they had like three movies like basically swept the whole fucking thing anyway they're they're the they're the next studio to watch for sure there, uh, we need to do like an episode just on A24, not the movies, but the company. Because I swear they are basically mm-hmm. a cult on their own. They like, if you, in order to get a job at A24, you basically need to be hot as fuck. You need to be an influencer. Like, it is competitive. And if you ever go on the A24 Reddit, like, really? You're going to go down a rabbit hole. Let me tell you. Let Ravenous me, I'm, I'm... fans. Everything about that company, like, is so perfectly manicured and packaged to sell. Well, it's giving me... And it's working. It's giving me Weinstein vibes. It's giving me Miramax vibes. Because if you know how popular Miramax was in the the late 90s, they could do no wrong. Yeah. And they became a kingmaker. So that's why I have my eye on this company, because it's like, well... Well, they've got Euphoria, and I know they've got the Camp Crystal Lake series that's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. And their TV movies, they've they've got it all. I mean, they're just like very good at marketing their stuff, and they're very good at they're very good taste. They have very good tastemakers because they know what's gonna hit in a generation. Their merchandise too is on another level, and they fucking why? Okay, why don't more movies put out merch? They really should because let me tell you, I'm I'm like almost almost like obsessed with a24 like i'm basically mm-hmm. signed up for all their shit i'm like their triple a24 member like i paid mm. to just get mm. like their little tiny zine that they mail out and um their shit sells out in minutes well the shit that they, the merch they put out for x was fucking sick i didn't even like i wasn't a huge x fan but like i was like should i buy this merch because it just looks so fucking cool and then the, and, like, it sells out and it goes for triple quadruple the price on ebay jesus christ but see like you know people talk about like oh there's no money in movies anymore it's like well fucking sell merch like every other artist has figured out how to sell merch <laughs> like you guys should do it too Speaking of, random plug for Horror Press merch. Go on Horror Press and buy yourself some fucking t-shirts. I enjoy making content for Horror Press because your initial pitch to me was I pay for the content. And so if you're listening to this and you really enjoy sort of uh, the kind of stuff that we have out there and the stuff that James Michael and all the wonderful writers there are putting out just for your precious eyeballs, then you should consider joining the Patreon because it will really help keep funding more independent writing and content like this. And you can hear my hot takes about um, I don't know just how great horror is and how fucked up we are. Well, thank you for that plug. We just relaunched a bunch of the different like benefits. I mean, it starts at a dollar. It goes up to ten. Um, but I think the best one, if you're really interested in like horror press and the happenings and all that, I, the three dollar tier I think lets you help us pick the themes for the month. Mm. And I think the five or the seven dollar tier helps us decide like what movie, what what videos we'd like to release on the Instagram mm. and TikTok. And you may be talking to Tiffany. I know there's a <laughs> lot of people that are quite smitten by Tiffany. But, like, honestly, like, consider, you know, 
chipping in a dollar to like help fund some independent uh some independent media out there yeah definitely you know, i much appreciate it, it's scary to see how many blogs because i don't know if you also saw this is like mm. the unending episode but this is kind of important too it relates to to the horror community there were a couple of publications that had their rates leaked and um they yes, were embarrassing and i've always prided myself on paying our writers i feel like we pay very fair and i think like i mean one of the reasons i started writing my own stuff was because i was like if i wanted to be a writer i might as well just do it for free because i'm gonna have to be doing it for free for other people if i was gonna try and get published so that was what really made me open to even working with you on the few things that we have worked together on because i was like well it's worth it for if i'm going to be getting paid for it yeah. so i think uh, yeah, if you're listening to this and you want to throw in a buck, you should do it because it's not it's gonna be well spent and and well uh, well loved. Yeah, and we're small. We're not like this super huge business, and um, you're, you'd be supporting small creators. Yeah, hell yeah. So on that note, is there anything you'd like to share with everyone as we say goodbye? Um, come uh, fight with me in the comments. I love doing that, and. Um, at bad critic on Instagram. And I think I'm also on Twitter still for some reason that I don't understand. Um, and follow our pages and tell us what we do wrong. Tell us what we do. Right. It's all good. We do have something in the works between us. I don't know if you want to give them a little, do you teaser, want me to leak it? A little tiny taste. I am uh, going to be ranking horror. Um, I'm going to be ranking alien movies. Mm. The fan base, I could already sense that they're already frothing at the mouth. I think it's, I'm trying to make it a fun article, and I think it will make people mad, but in a fun way, so. I mean, that's the best. Like, as long as you're not, like, exactly. Maxine levels of, you know. No, 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 no. <laughs> Even though maybe, maybe please do that, so we can get all the rage clicks. I think it's going to be a little meta. I'm going to make it a little meta. A little meta. I mean, if um, I had my way you know which one would be at the top. <laughs> and that would probably get rage clicks. That's all we're linking. No more no leaks. More, That's no it. No more leaks. No more leaks. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, make sure you give her a follow on Instagram and on Twitter. That wraps up episode six of our podcast. It's been a nightmare. Don't be afraid to reach out and let us know what you think on social media. And be sure to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HorrorPress LLC, as well as on TikTok at HorrorPress. And if you enjoy our content, don't forget to check us out on Patreon. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks for the next episode of the HorrorPress Podcast.